For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the gospel of john john chapter 17 is where we're going to start today and this is jesus praying the prayer of the lord jesus jesus knew that his death was about to come jesus knew that he was going to endure the cross that he was going to be wrongly accused and hung and crucified upon the cross and the lord jesus here in chapter number 17 is going to start praying so look with me now in john 17 and verse number one the bible says these words spake jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father The hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. You know, many times his enemies tried to kill the Lord Jesus, but they could not take his life because his hour had not yet come. But here the Lord Jesus knows. He says the hour is come, it's coming. So, but now the time had arrived. The Lord Jesus was going to be put to death. And he says, glorify your son, Jesus prayed. Can I ask you, have you ever asked, known something bad was going to happen and asked God to glorify himself through you? Here, Jesus is doing that. He was looking ahead to his death on the cross. If he were to remain in the grave, the, the world would have known he was just a regular man. But no, sir, no, ma'am. He was God in the flesh right? So since God had glorified him by raising him from the dead, God answered that prayer. And then later on, rose him from the dead, but also took him back to heaven with honor and glory. Amen. That proved that he was God in the flesh, but he was not just a mere man or a good man or a prophet. No, sir, no man, but he was God himself in the flesh. And so he says, glorify thyself through me. Amen that your son also may glorify you. Jesus glorifies the Father by giving eternal life to those who believe on him. By giving a sorry, rotten sinner like me salvation, Jesus glorifies the Father. He most certainly does. It brings great glory to God when ungodly men and ungodly women are converted and that they manifest the life and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth through their life. Let me just tell you, that brings great glory to God. When there's a sorry sinner and they get saved and they get born again and they start living right and they bring glory to God, the change shows what God has done in their life. 
Amen. And nothing can do that except the power of God. Oh, a person may change. They may get off of drugs, but they will not become a new creature until they are born again. And man, what great honor and glory that brings to the Lord when a person like that, a man or a woman, gets converted and they manifest the life of Christ in themselves. God is very pleased, very happy with that kind of person. Amen. And that's what Jesus wants. Hey, glorify yourself through me. Look with me now at verse number two. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. The author this authority entitled him to give eternal life to those whom the Father had given him. And this, this shows that God knows who is going to be saved from the foundation of the world. God knows who's going to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But remember that God offers salvation to anyone who re will receive the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no, there is such thing as pre-elect predetermination, but that does not mean that God says some are deemed to go to hell and some are deemed to go to heaven. No, sir, no, ma'am. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Second Peter 3, 9 tells you that God wants all to repent and be born again. There is such thing as predestination. But that does not mean somebody's predestined to be saved or predestined to go to hell. No, God knew they were going to get saved in his great foreknowledge, and he predestined them to do works for him. Whatever it is, maybe to preach, maybe it's a school teacher, maybe it's the guy that mows the grass that lives an honor and gloryful life for God himself, but God knows who is going to accept his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number three, and this life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. The only true God. Hey, that's in contrast to all the idols, because there's a lot of false gods out there. They are not genuine. They are little g gods, like Satan himself. The Bible calls him the God of this world, the little g. So this first does not mean that the Lord Jesus Christ is not the true God. He is God in the flesh. The fact that his name is mentioned together with God means that he, he's equal with God. He most certainly is. But there are many false gods in this world. Here in America, many people think famous folks. They make them their God or their television show their God or whatever the God is in their life. Many, many choose money as their God, and they chase after it, but yet it brings no happiness, no fulfillment, and no contentment. Contentment, But godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. Godliness with contentment is great gain. There is nothing that can bring you contentment like when you're right with the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're right with God, when you're living for him, when you're doing what's right. And one young man, my young boy, he said, you know, dad, it feels good to do good. And that is so simple, yet so true. And the same for an adult, it feels good to do good. And when you're right with God, it is a, such a great and wonderful feeling. Amen. Let me read to you what the Bible says about contentment in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6. The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. 
And having food and raiment, which is clothes, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Hey, the Bible says that there's much great gain in godly contentment with just being happy with where God has you, being happy with what God has given you to do. And if you think about the lives of Joseph, boy, he was sold into slavery. How do you be content with that? He, he was thrown in prison, falsely accused. How do you be content with that? You can't in the flesh, but when you're, when you're right with God, when you're content with what you have, where God has you, you say, you know what? I may not like this, but I know that what is happening to me had to pass through the fingers of God and he had to put his stamp of approval on it before it could touch me in my life. And somehow, in some way, this must bring honor and glory to the Lord or I would not be in this situation. Because see, many times you can glorify God much more in a hard situation than you can when everything is just easy peasy. When you're rich, healthy, wealthy, and happy, whatever the case is. But listen, when times are hard and you still glorify God, you still trust God, you still serve God, listen to me, that brings great honor and great glory to God that you trust him that much that no matter what, Lord, I'm going to be content with where you have me in my life because I know that your hand is upon me and I'm right where you want me to be. If you remember, Jesus here is praying before he goes to the cross, before he's beaten to a bloody pulp and nailed to a, a rugged cross. This is what he's praying here. And he's, and he's talking about, hey, you can be content even in this situation, even though I know bad things are going to happen. Listen, you can be content to where God can use you and bring great great glory to himself through your life look with me now in verse number four first john or the gospel of john chapter 17 and verse number four i have glorified thee on earth i have finished the work which thou gavest me to do jesus was speaking as if he had already died buried and rose again he had glorified the father by his sinless spotless, perfect life, but also by his miracles, but also by the suffering and death and by his resurrection. He brought glory to God in every situation that God had him in. What are you doing with your life? Are you going to do your best to bring glory to God in whatever situation with whatever work he has given you to do? Because Jesus said, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou has givest me to do. What has God given you to do? Because listen to me, if you're a child of God, he called no Christian to be a calculator Christian. He gave every Christian a job. Not every Christian is called in a ministry. Not every Christian is called to preach. But God has given every Christian a specific job, a specific duty that he wants them to do. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe you just cook a meal for somebody. 
whatever it is. Listen, that brings glory to God when you do the work that he has for you to do. And maybe it's something simple. It's a simple task. You think, well, there's nothing big or amazing about that. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. There is. That is truly amazing when you obey God and you do the things that he has called you to do. It brings great honor and great glory. It's not about cutting somebody's grass or cooking the meal. No, it's about bringing glory to God. That's what you are doing when you obey what God has for you to do. Verse number five. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Before Christ came into the world, he dwelt in heaven with God the Father. You know, the angels looked upon the Lord and they saw all the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ while he was in heaven. He was in, he in with God in heaven before the before the earth was ever formed. To every eye, he was obviously God, but when he came among men, the glory and deity was veiled. Though he was still God, it was not apparent to most onlookers. They saw him merely as the carpenter's son, but listen to me, when he died on the cross and he rose again the third day, there was no denying that there was something special about this man. He was the God-man, the Savior of the world. The Savior is praying that the visible manifestation of his glory in heaven might be restored here. Listen, restore me to the glory when I was in heaven with you, God, before the earth was formed. And listen to me, the words glorify me together with yourself mean I glorify, I glory me in your presence in heaven. Let the original glory which I shared with you before the incarnation of the world. And this clearly teaches that Christ pre-existed before the world. He always has been and he always will be. Amen. Verse number six. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine thy were and thou gavest them me and they have kept thy word. Jesus had manifested the father's name to the disciples. And listen to this, where he says, I have manifested thy name. That name there in scripture means the person. In other words, the attributes and the character of God himself in the flesh. I manifested, meaning I showed it to them. I showed them the character of God. I showed them your attributes. I showed them all the wonderful and glorious things about you in the flesh. They could see it through me. I showed it to them. They could see it with their own eyes. Christ had fully declared the Father's true nature to the world. They have kept your word, said the Lord, in spite of all their failures and shortcomings. He credits these disciples with having believed and obeyed his teachings. Can I just say, when you do your absolute best to serve God, you may mess up, you may fail, you may blunder, you may fall, but you listen to me, God looks at the heart. And when your heart is right, it doesn't matter if you fall down on your face. 
You get up again and you keep going and God is pleased with you. He knows that you're going to make a mistake. He knows that you're going to mess something up, but yet he still loves you. Yet his hand is still upon you unless you've jumped into willful sin. But listen, when you're living for the Lord, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but yet he gets up again. You keep right on going. Don't worry about who thinks what or what they had to say. You're not living for them. You're living for him. So you keep right on moving forward for the Lord. Amen. Not a word against these people. There was no, there was no illusion. They had made a mistake. He even knew in his foreknowledge that some would forsake him. But yet he said, those ones that you gave me, they have kept thy word. God looks at the heart. The outside doesn't matter. What color your hair is, what color you are, where you came from, who your parents are, how poor rich you are, that means nothing to God. He doesn't need any of that from you. You're not going to do one thing to impress him. But listen, when you obey the word that he has given you, listen, God takes notice to that. Verse number seven, now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are thee, are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Jesus said, everything that you gave me, all the words that you gave me, I gave it to them. I gave them what you had. Lord, I, it came straight from you. So listen to me. When you're reading the words of Jesus, you are hearing straight from God himself. Amen. That's what he says here. Everything you've given to me, everything you, you wanted me to give them, I have given it to them. Jesus had perfectly, perfectly, perfectly represented his father. Jesus did not speak or act by his own authority, but only as God the father had instructed him did he act. He acted on what God gave him to do. He was out to please his heavenly father as me and you should be too. And we should not act on our own authority. Listen to me. We should not act on our own authority. I have many wants. I have many things I'd like to do, but none of them mean anything. What means something, what God has given me to do in his scripture, in his word, and I should not act outside of his word. Oh, God may speak to you through many things, a sermon or a person, but if ever to go, if it ever goes against the Bible, against God's written word, you can ball it up, throw it out, light it on fire. It's no good. God's not going to tell you something that is outside of Scripture. Amen? Anything, anything, anything a preacher tells you, you always back it up with Scripture. Well, where's that at in the Bible? Show me where God says that. And so here, Christ did not originate on his own mission. No, he was obedient to the Father's will. And we should be too. Just like a child. A child that listens, a child that's well-behaved, they are a pleasure to be around, aren't they? I wonder how God sees us. Remember, he calls us, you might be grown, you might be 90 years old, but God still considers you his child, a child of God. Look with me at verse number nine, John chapter 17, verse number nine. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. As high priest, as Jesus is, he prayed for the disciples. He did not pray for the world. 
And don't, don't take this to mean that Jesus didn't ever pray for the world. No, he was praying for his disciples, for those that belong to him. He did pray for the world, even as the world nailed him to the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When he had every right and every reason to call down 10,000 angels and strike everybody down by lightning, he did not. He chose to forgive them and ask the Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. But here in this verse, Jesus is praying for his people, for the people that belong to him, the people that are standing before the throne of God for the disciples themselves. Jesus was praying as the one who represented believers before the throne of God. There his prayers could only be for his own. He's praying for his own, the ones that are already his. Can I ask you today, are you already his? Do you belong to Jesus? Have you repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you escaped the fires of hell through the blood of Jesus? Because the Bible says there's a place called hell. There's weeping, there's wailing, there's gnashing of teeth, gnawing of tongue where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. There is no, not even, a drop of hope in hell. There is nothing but despair. Amen. God does not want you to go there. Listen to me. God loves you more than he loves the angels because the angels that fell from heaven, they have no way of redemption. They have no way to be saved. They have no way to escape hell. But listen, Jesus died on that cross to save you from your sins. God made a way for you to be saved. God made a way for you to be redeemed. He did not for the devil and his angels. He loves you more than he loves them. Amen. Make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that you have been born again, that your name is in that blessed book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Preachers used to say that when I was little, and I was like, what do they mean, know that you know? Well, when you're saved, you know. There's no question about it. You'll lay your head on the chopping block if you had to. You know. There's no question about it. I know I'm a child of God, just like your heaven, your earthly father and your earthly mother. You know for a fact that you belong to them. You know where you came from, and you'll have that same feeling once you get born again. God will give you peace in your heart that no matter what, if you take your last breath, if you don't make it through the night, if you don't make it on that long trip, if you get in a bad wreck, whatever happens, cancer, it doesn't matter. You belong to him, and you know where you're going when you take your last breath. Look with me in the last verse, John chapter 17, verse number 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. It is because the Son is equal with the Father that he could say this. Jesus presents, listen, Jesus presents his poor and backward and messed up and sinful flock to him. But he still says they're glorified. You are glorified in them because they are covered in the blood. They're robed in white that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to them. And you and me are glorified in them. How can Christ and God himself be glorified in a lowly, sorry sinner like me and you? Well, it's because you're covered in the blood. It's because of what Christ did on that cross. It's not because you're special. It's because he's special. Amen. So I ask you today, do you know him? Have you ever put your faith and trust in him? And listen to what he says, and all mine are thine. In other words, everything that I have, all that I have, all those that have put their faith in me, all those that follow me, all those that believe in me, all those that trust in me, all those, they are yours also. 
So what's mine is yours. And then he goes on to say, all thine are mine. Listen, that's Jesus speaking to God. All that you have is also mine. All the glory, all the riches, all the honor. Amen. All that everything that God has belongs to him. So here's two distinct people yet the same one. And he says that we are glorified through a sorry, rotten sinner. Why? Because they're covered in the blood. Because he's special. We're not special. And I ask you today, have you ever repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in the finished work that the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross? We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.